Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. After a year of distance learning and uncertainty for Idaho students, families, and teachers, the legislature is tackling education issues and concerns over content are dominating the conversation. I'm Melissa Davlin. Idaho Reports starts now. Hello and welcome to Idaho Reports. This week, Senator Janie Ward-Engelking and Representative Wendy Horman join me to discuss education budgets and the controversy over social justice content and programs. Then Kevin Richard of Idaho Education News gives us a rundown of some of the major education policy proposals in front of the legislature right now. But first, on Friday, the state announced that it has set up a website where Idahoans can pre-register for the COVID-19 vaccine. This comes after weeks of confusion and frustration from some Idahoans who have had trouble securing appointments or even figuring out where they could get vaccinated in the first place. At the website covidvaccine.idaho.gov, you can enter your name, address, which counties you're willing to travel to for an appointment, and information that helps the state determine which priority group you're in. When you're eligible to receive a vaccine and an appointment in your area opens up, a provider will contact you if you choose to pre-register. Back at the State House, lawmakers spent a good part of the week debating so-called social justice programs in early childhood education and public universities. On Tuesday, that discussion hit the House floor as lawmakers debated a bill that would allow the State Board of Education to spend a $6 million federal grant for early childhood education. The Trump administration granted that money to Idaho in January. Since then, uh, the Idaho Association for the Education of Young Children, uh, the group that I mentioned uh, prior, and the Office of the State Board of Education have been conducting that needs analysis and have been working throughout the state in building uh, what we call, or what they call, local education collaboratives. Uh, and I'll get into those in a little bit. Uh, but this is not a new concept. Uh, this uh, uh, early childhood education grant already exists in Idaho. Uh, we've been working on this for a year now. Uh, this is a, a renewal of the grant uh, for three more years uh, to continue and, and uh, build out and flesh out and help uh, young children here in Idaho. Uh, some of the original goals of the grant, just to be clear, uh, like I said, a completion of a statewide early childhood needs assessment, uh, develop of a strategic plan for strengthening collaboration, coordination, and quality improvement, uh, maximizing parental choice and engagement, uh, sharing best practices among early childhood care and education providers to prepare uh, for kindergarten readiness, and improving the overall quality of the state's early care and education programs. In the bill language, it says that the goal would be to provide education resources for these preschoolers. Can you um, explain, or maybe you know, who will control the, the content of those education resources that are provided to the preschoolers? Council floor. 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker um, and good lady. Uh, just not to preschoolers, so this, this grant does include uh, essentially birth through uh, uh, entry into to kindergarten. Um, the resources are developed essentially through the Idaho Association for the Education of Young Children uh, in collaboration with the Office of the State Board of Education. Ultimately, the House narrowly voted down the bill by just one vote, sparking a protest on Wednesday at the State House from a group of mostly women who asked the legislature's budget committee to revive the grant. The Associated Press reports that Representative Charlie Shepard said he would support the bill if it came back to the floor, which may be enough to break the original tied vote. Full disclosure, Idaho Public Television is a state agency and has a connected supplemental appropriation for an early childhood education grant in front of the legislature as well. Idaho Reports is not connected to that programming and our editorial decisions are independent of it. At a virtual event with the Idaho Press Club on Wednesday, Governor Brad Little was asked about that original grant and whether it's dead for the session. I was hopeful that at the end, you know, when I talked to uh, Beth Oppenheimer about it, that uh, that grant was going to help these school districts address that. Uh, that is not to be now, if I understand what happened yesterday, and and I'm disappointed in that. But uh, I, you know, the the evidence is overwhelming that uh, what we do for these kids early is something that uh, is good for Idaho and good for our students and. Uh, we'll we'll try again. Will you try again this session, or um, is it dead for this year? No. Well, I I I haven't talked to uh, the state board about it. It just happened yesterday afternoon, and I had some other meetings. But uh, uh, what, the one thing we will keep trying is to do all we can to support uh, school districts in early learning, uh, whether it be literacy or whatever else is there, and. If it's the form of that federal grant or some other form, uh, and we'll continue to work at it. And we'll work with the legislature to try and address their concerns. There's always concern when it's a federal grant uh, with uh, strings, some designated and some not designated. And perhaps we can address that. But uh, it, it is in everybody's best interest, that particularly these kids that have a, a tougher uh, challenges and families that have a tougher challenges uh, that we have a both constitutional and moral value, a moral obligation to try and help these kids. Representative Wendy Horman and Senator Janie Ward Engelking both sit on the Joint Finance and Appropriations Committee and have worked together on public education budgets for years. They joined me on Thursday to talk about that early childhood education grant as well as other education issues. Thank you both so much for joining us today. I, I wanted to start out with that early childhood federal grant that was voted down in the House earlier this week, the spending authority for it. Representative Horman, were you surprised? I was not surprised. Uh, there have long been different opinions about uh, preschool in the state of Idaho. And I think you saw that reflected on the House floor yesterday, different opinions of whether the state should pay for that, whether you know that should go more to families and private organizations. And a lot of that came out on the floor yesterday. 
Senator, what's what's your view on this? Well, I'd just like to say that this is something we've worked on for three years, and it was a really it was a bipartisan um, group that came together. Uh, Senator Buckner Webb and myself and uh, Chairman Clow and also Representative Earhart. So I was a little surprised because I saw where some of those votes that I thought we had in the bag um, did not come through. And so the reality is it's um, that money was to go for local collaboratives to see where the needs were to put some additional resources that would help families in the in those communities. And it was totally up to the communities how it should be used and where the need was. And so I'm, I'm pretty disappointed. It's a six million dollar federal grant and no state funding was going to go toward it. And it was up to communities and families to decide if they had a need along with businesses and community leaders. So I was pretty disappointed. I hope we have a pass, path forward and maybe Wendy knows a little more about that than I do. You know, I, th I think there is a path forward. A lot of what came out on the House floor were concerns about the content, uh, what might be taught to these youngsters. And frankly, there was some solid evidence presented that led that to be in question. So you've seen us in JFAC, take approach using intent language about restricting certain uses of funds or prohibiting certain uses of funds. So I wonder if maybe the path forward isn't around intent language restricting um, any partisan or political content that might be utilized. But, but as Representative Ward, or Senator Ward Engelking said, those decisions really do reside at the local level, but there were some uh, bona fide concerns that were brought forward on the House floor in sufficient uh, quantity to have the bill not pass. And it, if I might oh. add that um, Beth Oppenheimer uh, really has done an amazing job um, dealing with these grants and figuring out a pathway forward for us, and she's an incredible administrator and does really great things in the community with early childhood education. And I trust her explicitly, but if we need to put a little more intent language in, maybe maybe that's the pathway forward. Representative I, Horman, you mentioned compelling evidence that was brought up on the House floor. Is this something that you personally are concerned about coming up in these early childhood education programs? It is. Uh, some of the evidence that was presented was from the association's own website. And I did call Beth before the vote because I wanted that reassurance that this type of content would not be used, that the affiliation with the national organization that provide. Um, provides a lot of maybe more controversial content here in Idaho uh, that would be regarded that way here in Idaho. I wanted to understand their affiliation. And in the process of the conversation, she said, you know, we're separate nonprofits. They don't give us money. We don't give them money. And uh, we both agreed that maybe she should weigh the value of being a part of that network if that's the kind of um, content that's associated becomes associated with her association just because of the, the national association. So I do think there, I think there's a way forward, um, but it, it's going to involve some reassurances that that will not be part of uh, that association's mission. 
you know, and a lot of associations have a state association and then they have a national. And, and certainly our views are very different in, in Idaho than it probably than they probably are nationally. But I'm totally comfortable with the idea that the local communities will make the decisions and that families and businesses and community leaders will be involved in it. And I, I trust our local people to do the right thing for children. You know, so many of these concerns about content and social justice programs came up in the higher education debate in the Joint Budget Committee earlier this week as well, um, specifically in regards to Boise State University. Senator, I wanted to get your take on this. How much does the conversation change when we're talking about adult students, many of whom want these programs? Well, I actually ran the governor's recommendation uh, as one of the motions. We had actually three motions on the floor, but I uh, quickly realized that uh, when Senator uh, did a, an amended substitute motion that he was gonna have the votes to get that through. And it was um, not exactly what I wanted, but sometimes we don't get exactly what we want. And what it did is it took $400,000 from BSU from the social justice program and gave it to Lewis Clark State College. And hopefully that will keep Lewis State College from ha Lewis Clark, excuse me, State College from having to raise tuition. And I see some benefit there. Um, the intent language is pretty strong, and I really do believe that most of our universities do offer some kind of uh, diversity uh, classes or social justice programs, and it's it's part of um, what they do on a university level is present all views, and as long as the, all sides are presented on an issue, I really don't have any problem with it. Um, that's where we should do it, you know, in an academic setting have all views presented and um, so i'm okay with the budget that we're sending forward but it wasn't exactly what i would have liked to have seen and i think uh, bsu is being um, called out pretty harshly when almost all universities including brigham young university offer a diversity program and our our uh, businesses are are demanding it they want it they need it in their businesses. Representative Horman, I, I wanted to get your take. How much of a concern is this for you and your constituents? I would say it's a big concern uh, in the House and, and from um, some constituents as well. Uh, we've been having this conversation for a couple of years now, and some feel that uh, the universities have been more responsive. Some feel they've been less responsive. I have engaged in conversations with them and have been uh, reassured by some of the things that I've heard. However, this, this idea of bias uh, and making sure, as Senator Ward Engelking said, that both perspectives are provided. I have spoken with students who have um, talked about that not being the case, and so that's troubling to me. Uh, I, this was not a motion I could support. There were, there were a lot of things happening that morning and a lot of different approaches to intent language and reporting and restricting, and I, I wasn't comfortable with the motion, and so I voted no quite. I don't do that very often in JFAC. I try to support the work of the group, but in this instance, 
Um, I could not, and so we'll see where that goes when it gets to the House. And if, you know, if I might add just one more point, um, you know, our, our university presidents are all pretty new. I think they've been in the job now for two years, some of them, and uh, I think they're trying to find a pathway forward that will meet the objects objectives of our constituents and the people around the state. But, you know, you, it's hard to turn the ship that quickly, and especially when we were dealing with COVID at the same time. So I, you know, I want to give them time to get things um, the way that they should be maybe, or that the way that they would like to, it just takes a little more time. So I, I'm trying to give them the time they need to do what they believe is right for kids in, in Idaho, and I, I know they'll get there. And yeah. we know we will Martin, get there. I wanted to ask you about your, sorry, I wanted to ask you about your concerns briefly, because we, we've also spoken to students around the state who say that, in their view, inclusivity is an Idaho value and that these are programs that they want to see. So is it, for, for some members of the House Republican Caucus, is it, a matter of making sure all views are present, or is it concern that these views are there in the first place? Is there room, in other words, for this conversation to be on campus? You know, I think inclusivity is exactly what the House Republican Caucus is looking for, this inclusivity of all viewpoints. And we know that most college campuses are left-leaning. Uh, there are studies out there showing that, uh, you know, the professors. But I do believe, you know, I don't, I don't want to speak for all of my colleagues, but I do believe that inclusivity is the exact value that I personally am looking for and, and making sure that all viewpoints are, are allowed airtime. And I think kids are idealistic when they're young and uh, but I do think that these are the times when they um, can get the information from lots of different sources and then make their own decisions as they mature and and that's what we want and never been afraid of too much information maybe too little but never too much. Uh, Senator what can we expect from the K-12 budget that you and Representative Horman are working on? Well, this one I'm hoping we're both going to be exactly in sync on. So, uh, and, we, and we're pretty close already. And I'm, I'm hoping that uh, that will be the case. And we're both looking at putting some extra money into the budget to deal with the learning lag we're going to see in junior high and high school students. We know it's there and we're not going to have very much time to catch them up. And so we want to put some additional money there. We're still trying to see where we pull that money and, uh, um, you know, and how exactly to direct it. We know there's going to need to be maybe some in-person type tutoring and maybe some, um, some even summer school, but there's also going to have to be some extension on uh, licenses for so kids can take it home and and Wendy can talk a lot more on that she's been looking at that very carefully but the reality is we have record surplus right now and we have a lot of cares money or ESSER money as they're calling it coming in and it's federal relief dollars and we this is what it needs to be used for it needs to be used to supplement our school districts to make sure we make up for some of that learning lag that we're going to see. 
Representative Foreman, I, I want to get your take. What are your budget highlights? Well, I agree with Senator Ward Engelking there. Uh, what could be more personalized than learning loss? And a one-size-fits-all solution simply won't cut it in this in this situation. It's um, it's been unique to every child and every family. So we both agree that it's not just those in the K three space that need additional supports, but uh, those maybe who are closer to graduating and maybe suffering from loss of credits or those sorts of things, I think the need actually might be more urgent there because we have less time to catch them up. This has been a really complicated budget. There have been holdbacks. There have been uh, in massive infusions of federal cash. We're looking at a net $300 million gain and the CARES 3 money isn't here yet. And so there is a lot of money to be spent in K-12. And I think if we use it wisely, we really can make up, help our students make up the difference. I have much more with Representative Horman and Senator Ward Angle King online at the Idaho Reports YouTube channel. You'll find the link at idahoptv.org slash Idaho Reports. And while you're there, hit subscribe. The early childhood grant wasn't the only budget House Republicans voted down this week. On Wednesday, they rejected a $6 million appropriation to the catastrophic health care fund, again by one vote. And on Friday, they voted down the budget for the attorney general's office. Those appropriations will likely come back in other forms. The state is constitutionally required to set budgets for its state agencies and to pay its bills. But voting down budgets isn't the only way conservatives in the House are voicing their objections to certain policies. On Friday, the Joint Budget Committee considered a bill by Representative Priscilla Giddings that would split the budgets for Idaho's four-year higher ed institutions. Giddings and supporters singled out Boise State University's social justice programs and a desire to hold the school accountable, in their words, as the reason for the proposal. The statement on social justice from the Criminal Justice Department at BSU, it ends as, uh, like this. It did Racism did not end with the abolishment of slavery or Jim Crow era segregation of black citizens or treaties with indigenous peoples. It was infused into all of our systems and institutions as a program that is housed within one of these institutions, academia, and studies another, the criminal justice system. We acknowledge our multiple responsibilities to students and communities to engage in anti-racist work. And yet, as faculty who are predominantly white and hold privileged places in our communities, we understand the importance of our own individual and group anti-racism education. This is the kind of social, social justice indoctrination we're talking about. This is at Boise State University. I would like to be able to hold them accountable with their budget without hurting the University of Idaho or other uh, state institutions who may not be uh, offending Idaho values to such a degree. I think the issue that's being discussed today is a bigger issue than a, a combination of budgets. Uh, I appreciated one of the uh, testifiers mentioning, do we have an audit department in Idaho? Yes, we do. Uh, do we have a policy uh, committee in Idaho? Yes, we do. Maybe that's the approach we need to take to understand better uh, the issues and challenges that may be being taught or uh, led within our universities or colleges or school system. Uh, I'm talking Y through K. Uh, I know of other states 
uh, if you want to get into ideology issues that are pretty frightful in my personal opinion. Joining me today to talk about education issues is Kevin Richard of Idaho Education News. Kevin, that proposal from Representative Giddings died in committee, but we're seeing a clear trend of House conservatives using the budget committee to send a message about what they're unhappy with. And in no way does this end the debate over the higher education budget. You know, you still have to get that budget bill through both houses. And what we saw last year, the House voted down two versions of the higher education budget before agreeing on a, a budget. I think that you've got conservatives in the House who are not going to be satisfied with the budget that came out of JFAC this, uh, this Wednesday with the $400,000 cut for, for Boise State. I think you've got conservatives saying they want to see a lot more cut out of that budget. So I, I think we could still see an impasse over this budget. You know, and there. Meanwhile, there are so many different policy proposals that are in front of the germane committees in the legislature, and we could go nuts trying to cover all of them in the short amount of time we have left in the show. You've been covering them fantastically at IdahoEdNews.org. Um, but what issues are being overshadowed by this conversation about social justice content? I think the social justice debate is, if it's not overshadowing, the issues. It's certainly clouding the debate over the issues that we've been talking about in Idaho education for years. And that is early reading, literacy in the early grades, and preparing high school graduates for college or career, you know, life beyond high school. I mean, those have been kind of the two bookend education issues in the state for several years. And when you talk about literacy, you're talking about Governor Brad Little's top education priority, maybe one of his top public policy priorities, period. And, and you know, that was that didn't get discussed very much in that debate over the early education grant. For Governor Little, this is part and parcel to his goal of trying to get third graders reading at grade level. He wants to, to put money into early education and have communities come up with their own early education programs and options so the kids are getting up to speed and getting ready to read at grade level by the end of third grade. You know, as we're having this conversation about Governor Little's priorities, the legislature has made it clear that they are pretty unhappy with Governor Little on so many other issues. Does his does the fact that he's backing early childhood education uh, reading uh, at grade level, uh, does that really help the debate? You know, I don't really know, but I think if you if you strip it back down to a debate about early reading and, and literacy, I think you've got more support in that legislature than you saw reflected in that House vote on Tuesday. Stephen Thane, chairman of the Senate Education Committee, and Ryan Kirby, the vice chairman of the House Education Committee, have teamed up on a bill that's working its way through the legislature that would create a kindergarten jumpstart program for kids who are heading into kindergarten and aren't reading at grade level, it would be a four-week summer school program. This is Stephen Thane and Ryan Kirby. These are not, you know, th these are not liberals. <laughs> They're fairly, you know, center to conservative Republicans who have teamed up on this because they both see that this is a challenge in the early grades and that early intervention does make a difference. You know, as we're talking about so much of the funding from the state and federal level, there are also local uh, 
funding proposals that are coming up in front of voters next week? Almost $300 million of bond issues, levies. 46 of Idaho's 115 school districts have uh, ballot measures. So obviously way too many to list here. So go to idahoidnews.org. We have an itemized list of every, uh, every ballot measure. But this is a big deal. And many of these are supplemental levies. Many of them are renewals. And it goes back to this age-old debate about state's role in funding education and whether the state is doing enough or is it forcing districts to go back to patrons every year or two to renew supplemental levies. All right, well, Kevin, again, you've been doing a fantastic job covering all of these issues with your colleagues. Uh, go to IdahoEdNews.org if you want more. And for more content from us, go to IdahoPTV.org slash Idaho Reports. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.